hey, grab your Bible. Let's open up to Colossians chapter 4, getting close to the end of this letter. We'll jump into chapter 4 this morning. Again, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We have some in the back. want to make sure you, you have a copy of God's Word. Colossians chapter 4. As you open, let me just ask you this. I wonder what part uh, of a relationship that you're in do you think is the most important? What's the most important part of the relationships that you have? Think of a friend or a family member and asks and ask yourself, what makes that relationship better? What is it about that best friend that makes that relationship you know, really grow, really, really better? You can think about it negatively. Uh, what's the one thing that if we took away from this relationship, it would almost guarantee its failure? What is it about that friend or that family member that makes that relationship work? Some people might think that it's the things that you have in common. Most people kind of go there first, like, hey, we're best friends because, you know, we both equally hate the giants. And I get that. I understand that totally. Uh, You might think that you're, you know, best friends or that you really get along with somebody I don't know, because you're the same height or you both understand the pains of gluten allergies. I don't know what it is, but you share these things in common and you're like, that's what makes us best friends. What is it that really makes that relationship work? Is that all it is? What wrecks it if we take it away? More than those things that you have in common, uh, more than just being in you know, junior high or having you know, this love for the same shops or stores or whatever, I think the thing that really makes a relationship better is communication. Communication is crucial to any and every relationship. Talking, communicating, it matters in every single relationship that we have. It's true no matter how old you are. It's true no matter where you live, without communication, the vast majority of relationships are doomed to fail. It's true for every relationship that you have, including the relationship that you have with God. Talking with God is a huge part of our relationship with Him. If we don't communicate with God, that relationship is only going to get worse and worse. And how we talk to others is also something God cares very much about, especially those who don't know him, especially those who aren't saved. Communication, hugely important in all of our relationships. And this is the very topic that Paul will go kind of next in his letter to the Colossians. Our big idea this morning is all about the way the Christian communicates Christians are mindful or they pay attention to their communication with God and also with unbelievers. Christians pay attention, they're mindful, they're aware of their communication with God. And they also need to be aware of their communication, of the way they talk with especially unbelievers. If you're not there already, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, let's read God's word together. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert 
in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I've also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Colossians, really chapter 3, all the way to our section here in chapter 4 this morning, it's all about the Christian life. It's all about helping us understand how a Christian is supposed to live. What does it look like? So many people have asked that question. Christians of all ages have asked, what does a Christian do? How do they live? What am I supposed to be thinking about? How am I supposed to be living and doing? Like, what is it? When we're so fortunate to have that answer right here for us in in God's word. It's here that we learn, even beginning back in chapter 3, that Christians ultimately set their minds on things above. That's where the Christian life begins. The Christian is more concerned about the things of God than the things of man. That's a hugely important lesson to learn. And from there, Paul has more. It, it, it doesn't mean that you know life here doesn't matter because it does. God has a purpose for us until we're with him in heaven. But the Christian isn't consumed most by this world. He cares very much about his Savior, or, or she lives just driven by pleasing her Lord Jesus Christ. That's how a Christian ultimately lives. And Paul gets more specific. If you're a Christian, if you're this new creation, then you're going to live like it. There's some things that have to go. There's some things that you have to put to death, to use Paul's words, or some things that you have to put aside. And it's sin, sins of the mind and the mouth and the heart. We talked about those several weeks ago. And as you put those things aside, as you try to leave those sins behind you, you replace them with something new, something different. I think you could summarize that with one word. You just put on love. That's the way Paul talks about it. And love looks like compassion and kindness and looks like humility and meekness. That love looks like patience and forgiveness as a believer, that's how you're called to live. I, I try hard to put these sins to death, and in their place, I put on love. I live in love. I love God, and I love others. That really sort of summarizes your life, and it's going to be so much easier to do that if you learn from Paul these three things. You, you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, and you let his word dwell in you richly, And you live with this mindset that everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying, everything I'm thinking about, I'm representing the Lord. I'm representing, as a Christian, I'm representing Christ in this. Those three things help help you live this Christian life. I let his peace rule my heart, and I fill my life with his word, and I keep the mindset that everywhere I go and everything I do, I'm representing Christ. Same is still true for us 
today. And, and Paul tries to give these great examples of no matter where you're at in life, you live like a Christian. So he gives these three big categories. If you're married, you be a Christian in your marriage. Be a Christian husband and a Christian wife. If you're a mom or a dad, you be a Christian mom or dad. If you're a son or a daughter, you be a Christian to your parents. And if you're at work, whether you're the boss, whether you're in charge, or whether you're just somebody there working, you be a Christian at work. And Paul tries to help them understand this is what it is to be a Christian. You live this way. And that's the main part of Paul's letter. I I genuinely believe that. This is what he wanted to talk to the Colossians about, this Christian life. And he has a few final words. And just because they're last doesn't mean they're not important. I think you could argue that these are perhaps the most important words of his instruction for the Christian life. These words matter greatly. Christian, again, the Christian's mindful of the way they talk with God and with the unbelieving world around them. So let's just look at it in those two categories, these two sections. We'll look first at this. uh, I'll call it this, a, a Christian praise. How does a Christian live? Well, a Christian praise. Chapter four, verses two to three. Let's look at verse two. Again, devote yourselves to prayer, Paul writes, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Devote yourself to prayer. That's written in such a way that we're supposed to understand that it's, it's never stopping. If we're going to be devoted to it, it's ongoing. It's, it's just something that's steady and habitual. It's a normal part of your everyday. Prayer, listen, junior hires, prayer is to be a normal part of your everyday if you're a Christian. That's what Paul's instructing these believers to do. And that's what God's word calls us still to do. Being devoted is, it's serious business. It isn't something that we do half-hearted. It isn't something that we're to think is optional either. Life is full of challenges that come our way. A lot of tough stuff. Some of it we endure through. Some of it we quit. But that's not this. Prayer is not on the same level as some sport or hobby or some difficult situation. Prayer is not an extracurricular activity, okay? It's not something that only the really super spiritual people do either. Prayer is for every Christian. And prayer is not optional. We are to talk to God. It's not something we can quit. You can think of it this way. Being devoted, I'm just trying to summarize it. It's being busy with prayer. That's the, that's the shortest I can make it. That's what it means. Be busy with prayer. What's God's word calling the believer to? It's, it's spending a lot of time thinking about this, doing this, frequently talking about, talking to God. I'm working on this. I'm doing this. I'm devoted to prayer. And it's, even though it's a short couple of words, we learn a lot about some things to pray for here. Even the word that Paul uses, it's more about petition, asking for stuff, asking for things. And we'll talk about that in a minute. It's also a prayer that Paul tells us should include thanksgiving. So there's petition, there's thanksgiving, 
And then specifically, Paul would like them to pray for him and his ministry. That's a lot to pray for. So often I hear Christians of all ages, but often young people tell me, Pastor Dave, I don't, I don't know how to pray or I don't really know what to pray for. I just kind of mimic the things I hear other people praying for. And, 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 and that's a great question. And Jesus actually answered that very question. You know, help me learn how to pray. He answered that questions when his disciples asked him in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 7, I'll I'll just read it for you. Jesus says, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is prayer. These are the petitions. These are the things that we're meant to talk about with God. And notice what Jesus says first. Don't just say the same meaningless, empty thing over and over. Dear God, thank you for this lunch. Jesus name, amen. Like that is not prayer. You would never talk to a best friend that way. You would never talk to a family member that way. And if you you did, you'd probably be in trouble. But this is what Jesus is saying. No, don't don't do that. Use this as a model instead. And just going through it, just kind of looking at it, he, he says, you know, begin by talking with God in a way that praises him and worships him. Things that you see him doing, things that you're you're recognizing about who he is and what he's like. Make much of him as you talk to him. And then you ask for his help as you try to live according to his will, according to his plan and not your own, according to his purposes and not the things that you would prefer. Lord, I want your will in this. I know you know, the way that I would like this situation to go, but help me be conformed to your plan and your timing and your desires. We pray for that. And it's okay to ask him for these daily needs from food to energy to help with some situation or maybe just anxiety from some stressful thing that's happening. You, you pray for that and you ask him for that daily help, that daily bread. And we ask for forgiveness from sin. Ask him to help you recognize that sin in your life. Things we just looked at in Colossians 3, those sins that we're trying to put to death. Lord, help me to see those and help me to understand even the ones that maybe I don't see and how to put those behind me, how to stop sinning. And then Jesus says also you should ask for strength for when temptation comes. God, help me when I am tempted to sin, to not. Help me to say no. Help me to find that way of escape that you promised, Lord. Help me to do that. Help me to live this way that you've called me to live. Listen, young people, all that is bound up in that one word, prayer. That's the petition. That's what we're to be devoted to praying for. This is what we're to be busy with talking to God about. It's for every Christian, and it's not optional. 
And then Paul adds to prayer here with this little extra phrase to keep alert, keeping alert. It it demands this, this mental alertness, prayer does. What's this about? I, I genuinely think that Paul is talking about being aware of those things which distract us from prayer. Those things that pull us away from God. I think that's most on his mind here because most people aren't very good at this. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever started to pray and seven seconds later, you're like doing something totally different? And are like, whoops, I was just talking to God. And now I'm watching, you know, Bugs Bunny or something. Most people have a problem being devoted to talking to God. We're easily distracted. We're easily pulled away from it. And Paul's trying to help us here by telling us to also keep alert. We have to keep alert to those things that dis- distract us. So you, you have to ask, what is it that distracts me from prayer? Is it timing? Is it environment? What is it that's keeping me from praying to God? You have to figure it out. You, you have to identify it. Keep alert. Be on guard against those things which are pulling you away from talking with God. Keep alert just means to stay awake. <laughs> Keep your eyes open. So if your prayer life isn't what you want it to be, do something about it. Remove those distractions. Ask your parents for for help with maybe just some accountability or some time management stuff. Like, you know, let me me be up a little bit earlier so I can spend some time in prayer. Ask leaders what they do for their prayer life. Learn from older Christians how to pray and what to pray for and how they find time to be devoted to prayer. And it's a struggle for everybody. This isn't some thing that's just hitting us hard. This hits every Christian since Paul wrote it hard because we're bad at prayer. It's hard for us to be devoted to it and we need to be. We need to make it a priority. Our communication with God, Paul adds a few other things here in verse 2. It's to have an an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. Sorry, I had to say it. It's just to be the most obvious in our life in the way that we constantly express our thanks to God for what he's doing. It's being able to spot God's goodness in all that's happening even if it doesn't feel good, even if it doesn't seem like a good situation, you know that this, is, this has God's hand on it. This has God's approval. This must be good. And I need to thank him for it. I want to be faster at going to God and thanking him for those things that he's doing. I know that God is behind all the good in my life. It's not me. I'm not bringing about this good stuff. It's God. James 1.17, God is the source of all that's good. It all comes from him. Our communication with God should also just be so full of thankfulness. So what does all that mean? What does this communication with God look like? Junior higher, if you've put your faith in Christ, you're to be using many of your minutes each day devoted to prayer, talking with God. 
doesn't have to be a long conversation. Sometimes it's, it's just a short little phrase. Sometimes it is longer. Sometimes it is you being alone with God, talking to him, just like you would a friend, just like you would a family member. You spend time talking to God, worshiping him and praising him for what he's doing, praying for his will to be accomplished in your life, praying for those needs that you have throughout the day, praying for that protection from sin and temptation, praying for forgiveness, all that. And we're to be thankful when we pray. Be so thankful. We're to be on guard against those things which pull us away from talking to God. When we pray, Paul helps us understand not only all that, but at the same time, we can and should be praying for other people too. That's what verse three and four is all about. Easy to just pray for us. If, if we will pray and if we find time to pray, it's going to be the most, I think, natural for us just to pray about our own life, our own stuff. We're all kind of consumed with ourselves anyway. And Paul says, no, I, I want you also to pray for us. I want you to, to be praying for, for our ministry here. Probably Paul and Timothy, maybe even Epaphras. This is a specific request, but it's something that we can relate to. It's praying for God's work through his people, praying for the gospel to spread. And now we can relate to that as we think about gospel progress through what's happening this morning, through the church, praying for our church and praying for those that maybe our church decides to send out as missionaries as the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. We pray for those things as and well. And, and Paul wanted God's help. He says in verse 3 to open this, this door, this opportunity for the gospel to speak the mystery of Christ. We already learned about that in chapter 1. The mystery is that, is that Christ offers forgiveness, not just for Jews, but for everybody. Christ is the mystery. What he offers is the mystery. It's for everyone. Everyone can be saved. And so Paul says, just Pray for that. Pray that we'd have opportunity to, to share this good news with everyone we come in contact with. And that God would bring people to us that we could witness to. And Paul just asks in verse 4 that they'd also pray for him to speak clear. He doesn't want to be a hindrance. He, he doesn't want the gospel to be, you know, hindered because of, of him. So he asks for prayer. And here's the thing, we, we can pray for all these same things today. We can pray for our church, we can pray for our pastors who preach. We can pray for all those who, who are involved in, in gospel ministry and other ministries of our church that take the gospel and take the truth of God's word out into the world. There's so many things to be praying for, so much to talk to God about. I'll just say it again, young Christian, be Busy with prayer. It's not optional. A Christian prays. Not only that, but let's look at this second part here. A Christian cares about the lost. Just trying to, to word it helpfully here for you. Number two, part of our sermon this morning, a Christian cares about the lost. Our witness, our testimony with the lost, it's so important. Look at verse five. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of the opportunity. How we live, how we conduct ourselves, it matters. And 
conduct or it's, it's just a familiar Bible word. It's the word for walk. That's what Paul uses often, just translated a little differently here. It's just living. This is what characterizes everything about you, what you do, what you say, the things you laugh at, the things you walk away from. It's what characterizes your life. Christians are instructed to live their life with wisdom towards outsiders. And that doesn't mean just, you know, people who go to a different church or who go to a different school. This is way more specific than that. It's talking about people who do not know the Lord savingly, who who are not saved. That's what Paul's aimed at here. It's unbelievers. How we live with, with unbelievers is to be characterized by wisdom. We want to be so wise. Paul's already talked about wisdom so much in this letter. In chapter one, he wanted the believers to be filled with wisdom. He was praying for that, verse nine. He encouraged them to to kind of teach each other and, and correct each other in wisdom. In chapter three, verse 16, we need wisdom. We need it for everything. Every area of life, everything that we do, we need wisdom. But here's what Paul's saying. You especially need it when someone's soul is at stake. You especially need wisdom when you're talking with someone who is destined for an eternity without God. Never more in any situation do you need wisdom than there. As we think of the lost, so many people around us don't know Christ savingly. We need to be mindful of our lives and our conduct that we don't become a hindrance to those opportunities for the gospel. We want to make the most of every interaction that God gives us, every opportunity that God gives us to talk to that unsaved family member or teammate or friend up the street, whoever it is. We want to pray for wisdom as we live with them. It's written in such a way that it's, it's intensified. And again, I just, I think Paul's trying to say, hey, this, this also isn't optional. You don't get to live however you want in front of unbelievers. This isn't optional. It's something that we, we have to do. We want our interactions with unbelievers to draw them to Christ. We should be thinking in every opportunity we have, I want to represent Christ to this person. I want them to know about Jesus. I, I need to buy up every moment. That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. Each opportunity, just snatch it all up. I was playing Hungry Hungry Hippos a couple days ago over Thanksgiving break, and it just, it just clicked. It's just like that. Everything, I'm just, every opportunity, I just want all of it. I want to be so mindful of each and every moment not to waste it. Each one matters. Each one's important. And I want to live in a way that people would be drawn to Christ. So I need, to, I need wisdom. I need help to live wisely. We want to live zealously for God. We want to live in such a way that his good works are evident, the good works which he has planned for us. Jesus said in John 9, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. We have such an opportunity right now to represent Christ to the world around us. And I know that this is normal for you, the the age and day in which you're growing up. 
But now more than ever, people are, are searching and looking for Christ. We have such an opportunity to be light as the darkness grows. And we want to be wise in how we do that. Live wisely, live righteously. Be mindful of the opportunities you have to represent Christ. A Christian cares about the lost. Verse 6 helps us think not just about the way we live, but the words we use too. Paul says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you'll know how you should respond to each person. I know this verse would seem to make so much sense and be great for every occasion, for all people. And it's true. We should watch what we say. We should be careful how we talk. But it's really in context that we learn what Paul means. It's especially in our interactions with those who are not saved, those who do not know the gospel or have faith in Christ. It's with those people who we especially need our words to be full of grace. Gracious speech that we need when we share the gospel and gracious words that we need with unbelievers, even in normal, everyday conversation. Gracious speech here, it can only come from a heart that's filled with grace. Matthew twelve thirty four. for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So we have to remember who we represent as those words come flying out of our mouth every day, especially as we live around unbelievers. So mindful of the words that we're using. And I think of one specific area of our words that Paul emphasizes in Philippians 2 about grumbling, about complaining. He says, do all things without it, without disputing or grumbling, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach, Listen, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, we need help controlling our tongues. We need help to be mindful of the way that we're speaking in front of unbelievers. Paul even talks about just the way we complain. When you don't complain around unbelievers, your light gets a little brighter because everyone's complaining. And here you are in the same circumstances, not complaining, and you're a light in this dark world. We need our speech to be gracious, Paul says, seasoned with salt. The reason is because we all have a, problems, have a problem with our words. James 3.8, no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Oh, we need God's help to control our speech. I think of David's Prayer in Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Our words need to be soaked with grace and like salt seasons food. They need to be seasoned. Think of it this way. I just want my words to be better. I want my, my words to be helpful. I want my words to be beneficial. I want my words to... to really just all aimed at one purpose, drawing people to Christ. What does that mean? It means you need to think before you speak. I need to have thoughtful speech. I need to choose my words carefully, especially when I'm around unbelievers. I want to use words that are joyful, especially as I think about the joy that it is to be a follower of Christ. 
We need wise words, words that benefit, words that build up, words that aid in someone understanding more about Christ and what he can do in their life. Choose your words wisely. Paul points out that each person's going to be different, as he says, as we interact with each one. Not all unbelievers are going to be the same. There's not a cookie-cutter formula for sharing the gospel with people. You have to talk to them. You have to interact with them. You have to listen. You have to communicate. Each person's going to have different questions, different problems, different issues, different reasons not to believe. Yeah, you need to know the gospel, but you also need to listen and talk to that person with gracious words and wise words and words, as Paul says, seasoned with salt. We want to be able to answer questions. We want to be able to give gracious replies when somebody objects. We want to be gracious in the way that we respond when somebody calls us stupid for believing in God. We need God's help. You could go back to verse four if you really just want one word for it. We just want to speak clearly. Just like Paul, we want to speak clearly, communicate clearly the gospel. God's purpose has always been this. It's always been to send out his own. Always been his plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth through his people. That we would be salt, that we would be light. And again, just like prayer, our communication with unbelievers isn't optional. It's a high calling, but one that we can't ignore. So when I go back over Colossians 3 through our section here in chapter 4, I don't know about you, but I get a little overwhelmed. And I can't help but see how much I need God's help, right? This is a high calling. This is a hard life to live on my own. All the more reason why we need to pray, why we need to spend time asking God for his help. That's why we pray. That's why we pray for our life, for those petitions that we need to live a certain way. We pray for his help, not only for other people who are sharing the gospel, but that our life would be a testimony of the gospel. That's why we pray for God's help, for clarity as we speak and as we proclaim truth. We, we pray for receptive hearts. We, we pray for our own heart to be receptive. We pray for wisdom and grace and that our words would, would be clear as we try to make Jesus more attractive to the world around us. Prayer is so important. And I think it's, it's on Paul's heart here to end with it because it's, it's so massive. It's so easy for us to neglect prayer because nobody knows if we're doing it or not. Nobody knows how much we're talking to God or not. But it's one thing that Paul says, Christian, even as a young Christian, listen, you need to be devoted to God. You need to be mindful. You need to pay attention to how much you're communicating, you're talking to God or not. And there is, again, so much that we need to talk to God about. Christian prays, Christian cares about the lost. So it's it's incredible. When I look at chapter three through four, I don't see anything in there that's that confusing. Do you? It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? This is the Christian life. It's not, 
It's not hidden. It's not a mystery. It's right here. And I know even as a junior high student, you might be thinking, it's, it seems like a lot. But the truth is, there's no better way to live. The truth is, there's no greater joy than living just like Jesus calls us to right here. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word, for its clarity, that it's not a mystery how we're supposed to live. Thank you for the instruction and for the help you give for our life. God, I ask that you would help these young believers here this morning to live this way. God, to be Christians who pray, Christians who care about the lost. Father, I pray for all of us, though, this morning. You'd help us to to see our need for you. God, that without you, our life's going to be so different. It's going to be so consumed by sin. We we just remain enslaved to, to sin and death and trouble and hardship. Father, help these young people to call out to you for salvation, even this morning. I do pray that you'd help us recognize how much we need your help to live the way that you've called us to live. And I want to learn from Paul, and I want to pray this morning for our church, pray for the preaching of your word, pray for Pastor John as he preaches. God, help it to be clear, prepare hearts to receive your word this morning. Help us to listen, to apply your word, to change. God, I pray for the lost might be here today for those we're going to see over the next few weeks. Father, help our words to be seasoned with grace and salt. Give us wisdom to share your gospel, to live in a way that makes people say, I need Jesus too. May the results bring you the glory that you deserve. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.